This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Hey guys, how are we? Uh, Arnaldo here. I'm the church planning resident here at Anchor Church and I just wanted to welcome you uh, to online church for uh, this Sunday morning. Uh, We're going to be looking at another text today in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 25. Before we get there, I just want to acknowledge some things uh, that we have been going through in the past uh, few weeks and what seems to be, uh, will be our situation in the next several weeks or months. And undoubtedly, most of us are feeling the adverse effects of the stricter measures uh, that we are having socially, uh, physically, um, and we believe these are good things. We, we want to... Uh, really adhere to these safety measures to be able to flatten the curve to practice neighbor love across this country, across our cities, across our communities, across our schools. And so I want to encourage you to continue uh, to do that. And this is, this is not antithetical to faith, but it's an, in fact, it's an expression of faith. It's an expression of neighbor love. This is absolutely not a threat to the gospel. Even the way that we have been meeting uh, online, uh, digitally, is not a threat to the gospel. In fact, uh, this can be a real opportunity for us uh, to to allow the gospel to deepen our faith. Not only uh, deepen it here, but also uh, maybe also have a wider reach to those who may have never donned the doors of our churches. And so I want to welcome you. Uh, If you've never been to Anchor Church, welcome to Anchor Church today. Uh, I I want us to remember uh, the beauty and the wonder of Jesus during these uncertain times. And and to acknowledge what we're feeling, the ambient anxiety around us and uh, an ability now uh, this Sunday morning to just stop, to stop and breathe and to remember uh, that uh, Even in uncertain times, God is God and he is on the throne. So I'm going to pray uh, and then we're going to enter into this text on what it looks like to meet together as the body of Christ when we can. Uh, So let me pray. Join me uh, and then we'll get straight into the text. Father, uh, I thank you for everyone uh, listening. Uh, I thank you for everyone who is engaging this morning. Uh, I thank you for those who, uh, Lord, call you Uh, Lord and Father, and I thank you for those who um, are just checking us out. And I pray now that you would help me to forget the things that are not going to be helpful for your people and help me to remember the things that will be helpful for your people. May you receive the glory. May many come even through this. May many come to know you, to love you, to serve you. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Skydiving. I don't know if you've ever done it, but it is exhilarating. Uh, you you strap on this this suit, you strap on your harness, and if it's your first couple of times, you have to strap on to someone else. And you're at about 4,000 uh, uh, meters up high, about 10,000 feet, and you jump off. And for about 60 seconds, you're free falling. And it is the most bone-crushing, exhilarating feeling you would ever feel. Or, or so I heard, I've never actually done it myself, but uh, that's what people say. And uh, the reason why you would even do that, the reason why you jump out of a plane in that way is because of all, all of the safety measures that uh, go into place uh, before you do that. So uh, making sure your parachute is intact, making sure your harnesses are intact, making sure you're intact with your instructor, and then you jump. But you wouldn't do that without all of those safety measures. And what our text here does is it's going to call us to do some risky things. It's going to call us to do some risky things, but it's going to give us a security, a hope, a sure rock to do it 
out of to do it from. So I'm going to read the text for us. And then we're going to look at a few things uh, that I hope will stir and uh, stir our affections for Jesus, uh, but, but also stir our affection for one another, even as we're sitting in our living rooms. Uh, may, maybe you're at a park somewhere with your gospel community. Maybe you are just on your smartphone somewhere in a cafe outside if they're serving anyway. Uh, but wherever you are, I pray that this will stir your affection for Jesus and for one another. So let me read the text. We're looking at the book of Hebrews, uh, and we are in chapter 10 from verse 19. And if you've never opened the Bible and you're opening a Bible for the first time, uh, 10 is the large number, 19 is the small number. So join with me now. Therefore, brothers, the text says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us then hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the question for us this morning is, what needs to be true? What needs to be true of reality, of our reality, uh, for us to continue to meet together? When you can be doing a million other things right now, why is it so incredibly important to continue, even uh, in this mode, with this medium, to continue to meet together? How do we meet together when when we can't? That's the question for us. And there's some background here that I, I want to go through in the, in the first couple verses. Verses 19 to 21 talk about uh, uh, Jesus entering in uh, to the holy place, ripping this curtain. And in the Old Testament, uh, to understand this, we need to understand how the, uh, the temple was constructed. Herod's temple, the temple that was in operation during the time of Jesus. And so th- there were several ways that, uh, or rather sort of several concentric circles, whereby depending on who you were, what your status was, you can get closer to the center. And so at the outside, you had what was called the court of the Gentiles. And the Gentile is, a Gentile is probably most of us, uh, people who just were not Jewish And so men, women, children, anyone uh, could be in that part of the temple court. But then if you go a step further in, uh, Jewish women were able to go in there, uh, but no Gentiles could go in there. And then you go another step further in and you have the temple of the Jewish men. And then further in, priests. And then further in, you have this one central place in the center of the temple which was called the Holy of Holies. And Leviticus uh, 16 tells us that it was only the high priest once a year who would be able to enter in there to offer a sacrifice. And in the Holy of Holies uh, uh, was uh, uh, this, this cast, this, this ark where the Ten Commandments were in. And, and uh, it was said that uh, um, uh, the, the staff of Aaron was there as well at some point. And this was to signify God's presence with his people. But the problem was that there was this thick curtain that separated uh, God's presence from his people from God's presence. And so the, the question was, how is it now that we can meet together? How is it that we're going to enter into the holy place? And here the text tells us it is, uh, we have confidence now. We have confidence to enter into the holy places. And this should blow our minds. 
This should blow our minds if we have any idea of what it meant for the high priest once a year to enter into this place, to experience the presence, the unadulterated presence of God. And we get to do that now. How do we get to meet together? Well, we get to do that because we all now have confidence, it says verse 19, to enter the holy places. And it's not by what we do. It's not because you're checking us out online. It's not because you join us at the gathering. It is because of the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way, the uh, the author of Hebrews says that he opened up for us through the what? Through the curtain. That's his flesh. And it's interesting that when Jesus died, uh, there's a, a portion in the Gospels where it says that the curtain, when, when he finally died, he gave his last breath, he, he committed his life to the Father, that the curtain was torn in two. And, and this was to symbolize that now we can have confidence by the blood of Jesus to enter in. And so that is the reason why these next things are true. And these next three things that the text tells us to do now, so it, it shifts from uh, what Jesus has done for us to make this possible to actually giving us uh, this charge, saying, okay, now this is what you do now. This is what it looks like to meet together. Three things. One is we hold fast. Two is we, uh, sorry, one is we draw near. Uh, two is we hold fast. And three is we stir up. And so the first one, drawing near from verse 22. Follow me here. Verse 22 says this. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So what we need to understand is because of what Jesus has done, now we get to draw near. I remember when uh, Catherine and I were married for about 13 years and one of the uh, illustrations that uh, one of our counselors gave us as we were doing some premarital work was uh, this idea of triangles. Triangles being the strongest geometric shape. And whether that's sure or not, we can argue about that, leave a comment, I'm not really sure. But the way that the illustration was given to us was that at, at the triangle, uh, sort of, I'm, I'm on one angle and Catherine's at another and God is at the top, at the apex. And the closer we get to God, the closer we draw to God, the closer we actually draw to one another. And I found that to be true uh, in our own life and in, in our marriage. I find that to be true in, our, in all other kinds of relationships. And, and here, uh, what the text is saying is that we get to now draw near to God. And listen, by doing so, we're drawing near to one another. Because Paul reminds us also in Acts that we have our living and our being in God. That's where we are located. I reminded you a couple weeks ago of this truth that... Uh, You live in the unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not in trouble and neither are you. And so that's where we're located. And so as we draw near to God, we're actually drawing near to one another. And just a real quick thing that we need to notice here is it says, uh, it doesn't say let me draw near to God. It doesn't use a singular. It says let us draw near to God with a full heart and full assurance. So one thing that we need to do is draw near. The other one is hold fast. We hold fast to this Confession. Let me read to you verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And when we think about our confession, what what is that? What is is he speaking about? What what is the author of Hebrews, the preacher of Hebrews, talking about when he speaks about this confession? Uh, Simply put, it's the gospel. And the gospel is this. The gospel is the, the news of the life of Jesus, that he lived a sinless life. 
It is the news of the death of Jesus, that he died in our place, a physical death, that he rose again on the third day, physically rising from the dead. But not only that, but that he ascended into the right hand of the Father to his throne and that he sends his spirit to be with us. This is our confession. This is everything that we base our life on, the reality of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he is continuing to do through the Spirit. So not only do we get to draw near to the Father, we get to hold fast to this confession, but also we get to stir up one another. I love this. Listen to, to, to what the author says. And let us then consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And that's a good translation, but that word stir up, if you remember back in the book of Acts, uh, Paul and Barnabas have a really sharp dispute, it's called, over some missionary strategies. And they end up making up, we we find out later on, Uh, but that, that word sharp dispute, this agitation is the same word that's used here. And so this text is actually asking us to agitate one another in love, that we would uh, stretch one another, that we would stir up one another for love and good works, to encourage each other in that. You know, one of the things that uh, a lot of people have been saying during this time is that because of uh, the worldwide pandemic and because we can't meet together in one place and so forth and so on, that uh, this will give us a greater uh, ability to take charge of our own spiritual maturity and faith in Jesus. And that's partly true, although that's always been true. But what this text is saying is so much more than that, that this is an opportunity for us to actually take charge of each other's spiritual health and vitality, that we get to now stir up one another to love and good works in a way that is going to honor neighbor and honor God during this time. And the thing is that this text takes us beyond ourselves. It's not just an opportunity to worry about or take control of our own spiritual health and vitality and discipleship to Jesus. But in fact, it, it asks us to take responsibility for one another, to stir one another up, to agitate one another, to love and good works. And so what does this look like then to meet together when we can't? What are some ways that uh, we can do that in this strange time? And before we get to those ways, I want to offer a bit of a disclaimer. uh, Because Christianity is inherently, inherently incarnational. God wants to be near in flesh and blood. Christianity is about flesh and blood and proximity. But with that said, God has been incredibly, incredibly kind to us, incredibly kind to his people and to the world to provide ways that we can connect when we can't be uh, approximate to one another. And so we want to use anything that God can provide for us uh, to stir one another in uh, stir one another up in love and good work. So we have uh, seven ways that we can do that. Number one is this, is, is to please, 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 Do not squander those extra hours that you may gain from the lack of travel to and from the office or um, uh, the gym that you can't go to now uh, that are closed. Don't waste this opportunity uh, to redeem that time. Because as we draw near to God, remember, we draw near to one another. And so don't waste it on Netflix. I'm not saying that's bad to to, to catch up on your shows. Don't waste it on Twitter or TikTok or any other sort of platform uh, that you enjoy. It's it's okay to enjoy those things. It's right to enjoy those things even. But we don't want to 
squander our precious time that we can gain back and invest into our relationship with Jesus, engaging in new rhythms and routines, not only for ourselves, but for the health of our community of our friends and our families. Because we may be tempted now, even at this point, to run towards productivity. There's going to be spaces, gaps, holes in our days and our weeks that we are going to be itching to just do something with. I want to encourage you to stop and rest and reflect and invest yourself into times of prayer and silence and solitude and scripture uh, in, in, in order to draw near to God and, and therefore drawing near to one another. And number two is use technology to communicate. Uh, our GCs are using Zoom or Google Hangout or, or whatever have you or FaceTime, but, but use whatever means we have available to us to communicate with one another. Uh, number three, I want to increase that frequency. And so it may, be look like, it may look like you're having breakfast at home, you're having a coffee break. Um, uh, maybe uh, FaceTime someone uh, from your GC or someone who may be experiencing some isolation. Uh, use that time in your home, even as you self-isolate if you choose to do so, or if we have to do so. Um, use that time. Use those small moments. Increase the frequency of the time we get to uh, see one another, even if it's through... Uh, pixels. Number four, uh, engage with the version Bible plan. Burn your white flags. There are plenty of people doing that together now, and so I'd love for us to, to run through, uh, to walk through the book of Hebrews uh, together. Number five, invite your uh, unbelieving friends and family to join us uh, in this mode um, at anchorchurchsydney.online.church. Uh, we would love for you to invite your friends and your families to that. Uh, number six is uh, maybe write, hand write a letter. Uh, I know this is weird. I'm not sure if we can even all write nowadays with, with a pen and paper, uh, but that may be a really good way uh, to communicate to one another that may break the monotony of, of the digital communication that we are embedded in. And so I encourage you, if you can make it to a post office uh, or a post box, maybe write a handwritten letter to your GC or to family or to friends uh, and connect with people in that way. And finally, maybe read some books together during this time, get together online to discuss. Uh, and th this is the point, uh, that this is not only something that we have to do, but that we get to do in the same way that we don't have to eat, but soon we'll die. And if we don't uh, commune with one another, if we don't uh, encourage one another, if we do not meet with one another, uh, we will, our own lives will be diminished. And so I want to encourage you, uh, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, to open up the curtain, to uh, allow us to draw near uh, into the Holy of Holies, to the Father, ourselves, we get to do this. We, we get to be together. And so I want to encourage you this week uh, to do that. And I'm going to pray now. And we're also going to enter into a time of communion and worship. Uh, and so I hope that you have uh, set those elements aside uh, before we started today. But you're going to have a quick moment uh, to get some bread, get some wine, get some grape juice, um, and engage in communion. And I want to remind us of, of what this means. And it, it, the, the bread that we break uh, symbolizes Jesus' body. The same body that, that we talked about that was torn open like the curtain. And the blood flowed from Jesus for our healing and for the healing of the nations to uh, take our sin away. And so I want to remind you to do that this week together as a family, as friends. If you have friends with you, uh, even if you're alone, you are never 
alone. The Spirit is with you. Jesus is with you. And so I encourage you to engage in that. So allow me to pray. And then I will allow you to take communion and to uh, engage in corporate worship together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you again for your goodness to us. Uh, We thank you that you are here right now where we are sitting. Whether we got dressed up for church, for Sunday church, or whether we are in our pajamas, uh, you're here with us. You see us. You see our hearts. You see our longings. You see our brokenness. And you care for us and you are near and you are with us. And so as we engage with communion, as we engage in corporate worship now, as we sing, uh, we pray, Lord, that you would inhabit the praises of your people. That houses all over Sydney, all over Australia, all over the world right now would be belting out praise to you because you are good and you are worthy. And so we thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Bless you guys.